In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Those who are elderly, sit down, those who are sick and elderly, just for a few minutes. When the curse grid icon came the other week here, I mentioned how grateful we must be to God, to the Mother of God, for all the gifts and all the blessings that they bestow on us. And I said there that people waited in line in Russia because there were so many people for five hours, and I made a mistake. Five hours, ten hours, twelve hours. I made a mistake. The father here from Russia, from Ukraine, he corrected me later on, and he said that people waited in line for five days. So... On the day that the curse grid icon came here, most of you only had to wait for about an hour. When God grants us these type of blessings, we must always be grateful. Because if we're not grateful, he will take it away from us so that we can be grateful. When communism came to Russia... It didn't come because people were doing well. It came because people had left God and people had become ungrateful. And what happened there is that the communists, of course, destroyed many churches, hardly no priests for people to baptise their children, to serve liturgies so people can commune and confess. For funerals in Albania, there it was even worse because there was not one church. It became one big concentration camp. The whole board, the borders were surrounded by electric fences. Now, some might say God is cruel, but when we discipline our children, to others perhaps who don't have children, and to the children themselves, it may appear that the parents are bad. If they might smack the child a little bit, or if they might uh, shout at the child. The parents, if they do that without passion, then it is not a sin. What I mean by passion is when they don't do it with anger, but they do it with love. Now, some might say, how can it be love for someone to shout at their children or smack their children, etc. How is that love? It is love because the parents don't want their children to grow up to be rebellious, full of passions, demonic, etc. That's why God says that those who don't correct their children will be punished. In other words, it is a commandment of God that parents correct their children. Of course, correcting their children doesn't mean just those ways that I said. There's also prayer and love, etc. But whoever says that you can only discipline children, or you don't, no, you don't have to discipline children with any type of reprimands or any type of um, forceful things is wrong. Because God himself does the same. He gives us sicknesses, afflictions, wars, etc. Now, God, when he does that, does not do that with passion. He does not do that with anger. He does not do that with revenge. 
He does not do that with hate, as we think. A lot of us think that, oh, God is revengeful and hateful or angry, etc. Even though we do say, in our eyes it appears that God is angry. But God is never angry. God is full of love. So when people uh, become sick, and we, it's blasphemous to say, what did I do? Why did God send me this sickness? We must remember the parents who discipline their children. The, par- the children, when they're young, will say, oh, my parents are not good because they discipline me. They give me punishments, etc. But when they grow up, they will say what my parents did was correct because if they didn't discipline them, I would have been a diabolical person, some type of person who is full of passions. When we see a child with anger, when we see a child with jealousy, we try to correct the child. We don't just let the child go so that these passions can grow and grow and grow until they become so deep in the child that it's very hard to get rid of them. So that's the same as God. He wants... So those, sorry, those children, when they grow up, say, my parents did well. But the children who grow up from parents who did not discipline them, they say, my parents never, never really corrected me. And now I'm just full of passions and I've got so many faults. If they only corrected me, of course, when they're young, they don't know that. It's the same in the spiritual life. God gives us things to correct us, to help us, to make us grateful, to make us to seek him. Some people, for example, somehow they fell into some type of sorcery, magic. Either someone did it to them or they, or they themselves went. And they became under the influence of demonic powers. And they suffer, a lot of those people. And yet, when you speak to them later on, they say, thanks God that he allowed that to happen. Yes, I suffered. Yes, my family suffered. But if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have come to the church. I wouldn't have come close to God. I wouldn't have repented. I wouldn't have changed my life. I would have been in a life completely away from God. So what's the point? Other people who have got mental illnesses, that's another very difficult cross for someone to pick up. Actually, Elder Paishos, our elder of Manathos, says that today God gives a lot of people, allows people to suffer from mental illness because it is one of the most efficient ways for someone to be humbled. Anyone that suffers from mental illness knows how humbling it is. And yet God allows that to happen. And a lot of those people who do suffer feel relief when they come to the church, when a priest reads them prayers, when they commune, etc. And they say, if it wasn't for my mental illness, I wouldn't have come to church. Deaf in the family. St. Xenia, for example, she was worldly of Petersburg, a worldly woman with her worldly husband. And St. Xenia and her husband, who even though they were orthodox, they're in the church, but they were worldly, they were going to parties, getting drunk, etc. And one day her husband dropped dead while he was drunk, while he was partying there, and he died without confession, without communion, etc. This disturbed St. Xenia. She became utterly disturbed because all of a sudden, for the first time, she began to think about the soul. And she, before that, 
She didn't think about this, about what, uh, the soul, what happens when we die. Like a lot of people today, even people that come to church, they do not think about the soul. They come to church, yes. They might even confess. They might commune. They come to unction. They do malebans. But a lot of people do not even think about they soul, about the soul. They chant in the choir, some help in the altar. But they don't think about the soul. They don't think about their loved one's soul, and they don't think about their own soul. That's the same as Saint Senya. She was dead, spiritually dead. And her husband died in a spiritually dead state. Suddenly, as I said, she came to her senses and she started to think, because she loved her husband, she started to think, what happened to my husband? Where's his soul? She began to understand that the soul is eternal. Not like the Jehovah Witnesses say when they say, once you die, you're dead. Your soul is dead. That's what happens to animals. Animals have a soul, but they don't have an eternal soul. When they die, their soul dies. But because we are creating the image of God, our souls live on after we've died. She began to realize that. See what death does? She then went off to a monastery, no one knows where, and she came back to, then to, she went to Petersburg and there she acted as a fool for Christ. And she did everything she could for her husband's soul. She helped the poor in the name of her husband. She prayed at church in the name of her husband. She did panahiras for her husband. She did commemorations of liturgy for her husband. Anything that she did, it was for her husband. Such was her love for her husband. She didn't stop. She had one can say like a, uh, an obsession, but a good obsession. Some people have obsessions to make money. She had an obsession for, that, for her soul, for the soul of her husband. St. Maximus the Confessor says that the greatest love is not when we give something to people or we help a bit here and there. It, now, the greatest love is when we care for the soul of our loved ones. That's the sign that you have love. So if parents say to me they love their children, I ask them, how about their spiritual life? They go, uh, what do you mean by that? Their spiritual life, their souls. Well, I, I take them to tutors, I take them to good schools, I take them to church. Isn't that what you mean? I said, no, I mean, do you care for their souls? Again, they don't understand. I said, do you pray for their souls? Are you worried that they might not be saved? Are you praying to God every day for the salvation of your child's soul? They said, no. I said, then I say, your love is not real. It's perverted. It's distorted. So, I'll say it again. If we think we love our parents, or our husband, or our wife, or our children, or our grandparents, or our relatives, or friends, or anyone and we don't care about their souls, then we haven't got love. The same as for those who have gone into the next life. Do we love them? Then we should act like Saint Xenia. Then we should put all our energy 
into their soul. Meaning, we should be praying for their soul that they be released from Hades if they haven't made it. Grant rest with the souls of the, of the righteous. Meaning that when, when the priest has a panahira, he's praying for God to grant rest with the souls of the righteous. Means to take the souls wherever they are and put them into heaven with the saints. That's the sign of love. Now, some might say, I do panahiras, I do memorial prayers. But why are you doing it? To help. Help, yes. But what's the main purpose when we commemorate the dead? It is that they be saved. That's the sign of love. So when we, when we care for the souls of those around us that are living, and especially those that have passed away, then we have love. And that's what God does. He cares for our souls. And that's why wars are allowed. How many people are saved because of wars? How many people turn to God after, for example, the event in America for the 9-11? How many people started going to church, even the other churches? They still started to turn to God. God is full of love and we must never say, like some people say, if God is loving, why does he allow sicknesses? If God is loving, why does he allow children in Africa to, to be starving, to, to starve to death? Perhaps those children are martyrs because they are victims. Victims of what? Victims, victims of the world's cruelty, of the world's greediness because the world with all its resources could feed them but the world doesn't and that means that they are victims just like children that are aborted they are victims of their own mother or parents because they've been slaughtered by their own parents of course there's repentance but that's the point there I'm trying to say is that God is not a God that is full of hate he has given us today this opportunity to be here for the unction service. The purpose of unction is two. One, for the healing of body, which most of you are probably here for. But most important is the healing of the soul. Why do I say that? Because what's the point if someone's got cancer or someone's very sick and then they get healed today? And they go off and they forget about everything, forget about God, forget about their soul and go and live a worldly life. What's the point? Most important is whether you're healed or not is to start to contemplate, to think about your soul. And that's what the unction has its purpose. It has also the healing of the soul. If you, read the, if you listen to the prayers today, especially those in English, you would hear that um, it kept on referring, the prayers kept on referring to the healing of body and soul and for the forgiveness of sins. So we should be grateful that God has given us this holy mystery for our healing. 
So what I want you to take away today, apart from the grace that you're going to receive from the unction, I want you to take away the following message. The, the message is that we must think about our souls and we must think about the souls of those around us who we love and we must think about the souls of those who have departed and when one progresses in the spiritual life then our love, concern can spread to the souls of all Orthodox Christians living and all Orthodox Christians departed like this, that's how the monastics because they are every day praying, they, their hearts become so big that they begin to love, have love for everyone. For all Orthodox Christians, wherever they are, they pray for them and they also pray especially for those that have died who need help. And when they progress even more and they become even holier, one can say, then their hearts begin to open up for every single human being on earth, doesn't matter, Jews, Muslims, etc., Buddhists, Hindus, they, their heart opens up and their love pours out where they pray for their souls that they be enlightened and that God's will be done with them, if, for example, if they don't have the opportunity to learn about orthodoxy, they still pray for their souls that God's will be done. And not only that, they also pray for the souls of every person that has died. Not in the same way they pray for Orthodox, but there's still a prayer where they say, where they pray and say, God, whatever is your will, let it be done with those who have departed this life. And what he does is his business. So that is the message that I wanted to mention today, is to, for us to start to focus on our souls and not to, be, not to focus on money only and education only. Some people say, oh, he's against education, etc. No, I'm against when people only think about the education of their children. Materialism, comforts, etc. That's what's killing our souls. We are too much involved with those things. You see, people's brains, they're just focused on that. To make a lot of money, to get a high position, to have power, to have respect, for their children to become great, to have big houses, to have beautiful cars, while the rest of the world starves, etc., That is a trick, and I will tell you what the Holy Father say, that the devil likes when people focus on those things because he likes anything which keeps people away from thinking about their souls. When people start to think about their souls, he becomes twisted and hateful. When we don't think about our souls, he says, that's okay, Leave them as they are. But how fearful he becomes when people begin to think about their souls, 
That is dangerous to him. Why? Because he's scared that those people will come to Christ and be saved. He doesn't want anyone to be saved. And not to be scared and people say, oh, you're speaking about the, the devil and I'm scared and this and that. That's a bit silly because Christ is above him. The saints say, don't be scared of him. Be scared of sin, but not the demons because they have no power if we stay close to Christ because he destroyed their power. He made them worthless. Their power is worthless for those that are orthodox Christians who are struggling for their salvation. That's all God wants. Now, if we say, oh, it's too difficult, it's too difficult to keep the commandments of Christ, God made it too hard for us, how can we do it? I've tried to do the commandments and I keep on falling. I know I shouldn't speak back to my husband, but I do. The husband says I shouldn't tell off my wife, but I do. I shouldn't be angry with my children, but I am. I try not to be jealous, but I am. I fall. I try not to hate people, but I do, especially if they go against me. I try not to be proud, but I, I am proud. It's just that people say it's impossible. But it's not impossible because God has given us one thing which makes up for our failure. And what's that? Repentance. As long as we pray every day, like St. Seraphim says, to pray, Lord, have mercy. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Why do we say that? Because we say, I sin, I can't stop, forgive me and save me, not because I'm doing the right thing, not because I've gained victory over my passions, because I haven't. Save me because you are full of love, because you are merciful. Just save me because of that. And the person who has constantly on their lips the Lord have mercy and understands what it means, then for those people, for all of us who have that, God will arrange it somehow for us to be saved. That's all he wants. He wants the desire, like the prodigal son. He had the desire, he goes, I've sinned, I'm going to go back to my father. So it shows him coming back. And then the father, which represents God, didn't wait for him to come, but the father ran out and grabbed him. And that's what God does with us. All he wants is that little bit of a desire in our hearts. All he wants is that wish to be saved, the wish to improve, the wish to become better spiritually, and doesn't matter how much we fail. Like the publican with the Pharisee, the Pharisee came in and he says, I fast, I give money to the poor, I do all these things, and he was full of pride, and Christ uh, said that he basically didn't get, he wasn't justified because he had the pride of the devil. But the publican, the tax collector, because the tax collectors in those days were the worst people, because they used to steal from the people. The tax collector, he stood in the temple, his head down, and he beat his chest, and he said, Lord, have mercy. That's all. Lord, have mercy. In other words, what he was saying is, I'm full of sin, 
I am evil, but you just have mercy on me. God, please have mercy on me. And what did Christ say? That he was justified. In other words, he was, if he died on that, at that moment, he would be saved. And that's why it's important to continually carry in our hearts that Lord have mercy. When we go to bed, as we're falling asleep, to say, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Think about our sins. Think about our weaknesses. Think how off we are. Cry out to God, the Lord have mercy. And be assured, 100%, that he or she who asks for God's mercy from a heart with a true desire, and as the optimate elder says, doesn't matter what you've done, don't let your sins become an obstruction. Don't say, oh, my sins are too great for God's forgiveness. Don't ever say that. That's why we have confession. Never say that is because when you read the lives of saints, you'll see that so many had done great sins. And remember that even if the devil himself was to repent today, after all that he's done over these years, if he were to repent, he would be saved. He would turn immediately into an angel again. Well, he's an angel now. There's a black angel. He would turn again into a bright angel angel and God would put him again in the place that he was before so don't ever let the devil come along into our thoughts and say to us that there's no forgiveness there is no sin that is not forgiven the only sin that's not forgiven is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and what's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit some people think it means that when you swear at the Holy Spirit no blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is when we don't allow God's grace to come in us and repent. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is anything we don't repent of. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And why can't it be forgiven? Because the person has to ask forgiveness. So if the person asks forgiveness, God will forgive them. If the person doesn't ask forgiveness, how can then God forgive them? And that's why it says all sins are forgiven except for that. Not that God won't forgive. All they've got to do is repent. So all of us, if we remember that God is merciful, full of love and kindness, and that he's willing to forgive us whatever we've done, then we are to be assured, not to, not to have doubt, but to have, to have faith that our sins will be forgiven us. That's why it's good to confess often, commune often, take, take out that burden from our souls, don't do it every once a year, things like people do, but go often, unburden yourself, and then you will feel how compassionate and merciful is God. And then whatever happens to us, we will say it's from God. Whatever happens to us, we're sick, we're in a war, we're hungry, we're this, we're that. Whatever happens, it's allowed by God for the benefit of our souls. All we have to do is say, the Lord have mercy day and night. Amen.